0: is the oil country podcast
1: presented by the hockey podcast network every team everywhere
0: hello 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 oilers fans welcome back to another episode of the oil country podcast first and foremost most importantly before we get going here boys um everybody here all three of us with the OCP just want to extend our condolences to Joey Moss's friends and family. Oil Country obviously lost a, you know, an absolute legend this week. So, it was it was a very interesting process to kind of see you know, everybody just mourning throughout the fan base and all the stories and everything coming out. But uh let's bring my co-hosts in, Kyle and Michael, first before we get into that. How are you guys doing?
1: Uh I'm you know, great other than the fact of uh, listening to Joy Moss passing away of course um, when Gretzky brought him into the team of course it was before me and John's time but we've all seen the commercial that they put out together and the impact that that had on children growing up as well as adults feeling more comfortable with children they had that might have had mental and physical handicaps um, I know my family in particular um, had had um, He's passed away now, sorry, but but a cousin who, who was mentally and physically handicapped. And, and Joey Moss was definitely a role model in our family for that um, and the amount of lives he's affected both in and out of the locker room um, in both the Edmonton Oilers room and the, uh, you can't call them the Eskimos now, but the Edmonton EEs, I guess they are, right? Double Edmonton
0: EEs. Football Club, whatever you want yeah. to call them. Yeah, so,
1: <laughs> but I mean, nonetheless, like, e- he sounds like an all-star guy. I don't know if you've seen Sam Gagne's little write-up he did for the Hockey Writers. Um, I did
0: uh, the Players and, Tribune, yeah.
1: It's, and I uh... was almost coming to tears, dude, like thinking about how they would take him over to their house and let him have sleepovers and you know, just bring him under their wing and, and make him feel like he's a part of the family and and live on with with Gretzky. Um Gretzky's push for for bringing him into that room. So uh so yeah, Michael.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, you guys
1: you guys touched
2: on it. Um He's been a part of the Oilers since I've been a fan of the Oilers. So, you know, Joey Moss was, you know, sort of the Oilers and him went hand in hand. You know, that was you always saw him around the team. Like I just think of I think back to all of the big Oilers moments and like celebrations and stuff they've done in the last little bit. Like even like with the unveiling of like when they did the whole new Rogers place Mm -hmm. intro and all that stuff. And they had all those people out there. He's out there on the ice for that. Um, uh Ryan Smith's retirement like he's out there on the bench for Fritz that banner
1: like, hanging like exactly everything. like he's yeah. He, yeah.
2: he is every time there's something important with the Oilers going on and the camera pans to the bench he's there and I think you know the hockey world recognizes it real recognizes real and like the entire hockey world I think that's one of the things is like one of the beauties of sports and stuff like that is when something like this happens you see just the entire hockey world just sort of in remembrance and mourning. And, and you guys were talking about Sam Gagne, and I don't want to um, send people to another Oilers podcast. However, <laughs> uh, the um, Oil, Oilers Nation podcast had Sam Gagne on uh, this last week as well, and they did an interview with him, and that was really, really, really good. Um so you you were talking about his article he did in the player tribune if you guys actually want to hear Sam Gagne talk about uh what it m- meant and and his memories of Joey Moss the Oilers Nation podcast had that and it was really good and like you said like almost to tears
1: and they already do um like make him um oh my god sorry like uh, what am i looking for like his legacy right like it right. is going to live on because they have uh like the joey moss cup that they do at the end they of do. every training camp so uh, like no question that's going to stay for sure i would love to see them put up a banner for him in that arena right as well as like they have statues of gretzky up front why not have one of joey right beside him you know well, like, i think uh,
0: there's there's been so many ideas floating around and i mean you mentioned the statue you mentioned the jersey and the rafters um some other ones i've heard i just want to uh, kind of list off and, and see, you know, if we can kind of brainstorm and see what what might be a great way of honoring him. Um, some other ideas are naming a street in Edmonton after him, um, potentially leaving his seat empty for maybe even just a year. The other option there, because obviously he has that that seat behind the boards or behind the bench, um, maybe donating that to the Edmonton Down Syndrome Society to have a kid come and sit in that seat as kind That's of an really extension of like yeah, Joey Moss. I like that as well. The other thing is, um, I think Dobko, who we had on last week, who, who will be continuing to join us kind of as a guest host and, and coming in here and there. Um, he had recommended the Oilers doing some type of jersey for Joey and donating all proceeds to the Edmonton or, or Canadian Down Syndrome Society. So
2: there's, does there's he so have an actual hockey? Like, does, is there a official, like Joey Moss, Edmonton Oilers number because I know he has like a jersey. I
1: don't think so, but I, I think you could easily put ninety nine on there as well as like. Mm, I, think yeah, so too, I, I right bet, yeah,
2: I bet. I bet if you, you went and asked Wayne too, like I know yeah. the guy, um, he he would probably. <laughs> he'd, I'm sure he'd he'd be down for that too.
0: Well, and I think that's one of the things like those two are always going to be tied with, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. At the time, Wayne dating Joey's sister, seeing his work ethic and his determination working at a bottle depot. And taking the bus to get there, you know, when we were mentioning different things to listen to about this. Anyone that hasn't heard Wayne Gretzky, I think it's about a 17-minute episode or a 17-minute mm-hmm. recording interview um, talking about Joey. It's another great listen as well. And but, you can
2: find that uh, – the, the Edmund, that's through the Edmonton Oilers. So if you, if you yeah. just look up the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> stuff, you guys will be able to find that.
0: Yeah. No, that's a, a great, great thing to listen to. And I mean I think that's one of the yeah. – One of the things with Joey passing, like he's been a legend, but until he passed, now you see all this stuff coming out and you realize truly how much of an impact this guy had. So when I look at all these different options of how to honor him, and I know like the Oilers, that is the one thing that organization always does well. You know, that old once an Oiler, always an Oiler, like they, they take care of their alumni really well. But I, I look at all these options and I'm like, I don't have an issue with any of them. I think they're all great ideas. And personally, I hope they do them all. Like, it's one of those things that this guy, the impact he's had on the Edmonton Oilers fan base, families with mentally disabled, you know, kids or, you know, brothers or sisters or anything like that. Like, it, his biggest, you know, he's a symbol of one, inclusivity, where you saw the Oilers team's over the last 30 years just completely accept him for who he was and kind of providing that like, you know, for parents that might have someone with whether it be downs or, or severe autism or anything, he's that symbol of like, look, you know, even though there's some obstacles, these people can still live a a reasonably normal life. They can still have a job. They can still be accepted by a group of, you know, coworkers and friends and, and live a normal life. So I mean, it's a sad day in oil country, but it's something that I think his life with the amount of work he put in, the amount of determination he had and effort into everything. It does definitely, even though it's sad, it feels like more of a celebration of life. Does it not?
1: Oh, 100%. yeah, uh-huh. 100%. for sure.
0: He just had such a huge impact. So, I mean, he he's definitely going to be missed. Um, did you guys catch any of the different, like, I mean, we talked about the the Gretzky uh, interview. We talked about the Oilers Nation with Sam Gagne and his, his Players' Tribune article. Um, Sam Gagner, Ryan Smith, and Jason Smith were also on uh, Oilers TV. And I wasn't able to listen to it being out in Montreal, but Dobko was sharing so many stories that TSN 1260 was bringing in from listeners or former players or anything like that. And it's... it's been really interesting to hear all these stories one of the big things for me was is anthem right and i think everybody that's one of the big things you immediately connect him to where i'll kind of share from my perspective of like my voice isn't the isn't the best not a big surprise to anybody and it's something that like when you're singing the anthem it's always something that i've been embarrassed by i'll either mumble the words or you know, just be respectful, stand at attention, but maybe I don't actually sing the words at an Oilers game or whenever the anthem's being played. And Joey is one of those people that, with that different perspective, he didn't care about any of that. Like, the guy's not the best singer, but he belts that anthem with pride every single time he sings it with not a care in the world that, you know, maybe some mean person is making fun of him. There's bad, there's shitty... YouTube videos, mocking his anthems. And, you know, obviously we didn't know him personally, but based off what you hear about Joey, he really seems like someone that just, he doesn't care about that at all. doesn't care what he looks like. He doesn't, doesn't care what people might be thinking of him. He's just doing what he wants to do in the time with passion and a hundred percent effort at all times. And I mean, that's, I think that's something for everybody that, you know, we can, we can learn something from him. I think that's been one of my big takeaways from this last week.
2: I'm really hoping that not to, not, I really hope that we're able to uh, use this as motivation for the next season. And, you know, like you said, I love maybe like, another thing to add on that list there is like, uh, uh, like a patch or I think back to like when uh, Mr. Illich died for the Red Wings or something like that. Right. They, they right. put the, the patch or just, just something. Even Colby extra. Cave
1: last year, right? Exactly.
2: Like just- yeah, exactly. <clears throat> just, just something on the Jersey I think would be really cool for this season and stuff like that. Just so, you know, the, the boys, the boys know that the, this season's going to be different. And I think it will be different, especially like, I think we're all going to miss him, uh, seeing him at the season opener game and stuff like that when they do all the the pageantry and stuff like that. Because well, again, those are other moments that that you're just used to seeing him around. So it'll and, it'll be interesting.
1: And those guys, especially the ones in the locker room, are going to be the most affected by it, right? They're the ones yeah, that see course. him in, day in uh-huh. and day out. So for him not to be there the whole season, like they'll constantly be reminded of yeah. him. And uh, and yeah. I don't know. Obviously sad, dude. Like there's there's nothing very, very. nothing positive that comes from it other than the response that the Oilers can give, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And you know, whether fans or not opening night more looking like not, but that's that's not important at this moment. Um mm-hmm. you know, when you look at past tributes and how much Joey meant to that organization, it's I'll be surprised if I don't shed a tear watching that opening night ceremony, whatever, whatever they decide, whether it's unveiling a, you know, a Jersey in the rafters for him or, or even if they just do a presentation and, you know, uh, a little bit of a shout out to Joey, I know it's going to be extremely touching. So, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, obviously we're in, you know, the times of COVID, but if we removed that, and that wasn't the case right now, if they had a public ceremony or funeral or celebration of life for Joey, it's insane to think of how many people would likely attend that ceremony.
1: Like the streets would be filled, dude.
0: You're probably talking about hundreds of thousands of people, like straight up the city of Edmonton,
2: the city of Edmonton stops probably. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I I think that right there, when you're thinking of that, it it really shows how much he meant to the city, to the fan base, to the hockey community as a whole, like you mentioned, Michael. And I mean, there's another kind of a tidbit or a story I wanted to share. So, <clears throat> one of my good friends um, currently lives in Australia, but I grew up with him in Red Deer. His older brother, Michael, um, was born with Downs. And he's in the same similar position as Joey Moss was with the Oilers, with the Red Deer Rebels of the WHL. And I had reached out to Ben after the news of, of Joey passing because I didn't know, like I've, I've known Michael for a long time, but I'd never asked him about that connection. And he was saying that, you know, he told me that Michael and Joey definitely knew each other and he was a huge, like almost a trailblazer in that role, right? Where he's showing where like you look when, when Joey is born, born, I mean, he's 57 back then the unfortunate thing and and times before then a lot of people that were born with, you know, whether it be severe autism or down syndrome or any severe mental disability, a lot of those people were institutionalized. They were put in a mental hospital or anything like that and kind of just removed from society Forgotten and about that. That's one of the huge things with Joey, is and I, I don't know if he was the first one necessarily. I wasn't able to find that information, but at least in Canada and the local market, he was that symbol of like, this isn't something you need to, you know, these people need to be like locked up and removed from society. He can be a beneficial member of society, live a normal life. And he really created those those roles for people younger than him and, and going into that, you know, those positions and showing that he can be a beneficial member of a hockey team and do his job with passion and effort. So, I mean, I think when you, when you look at it on that side, it's insane to think about how many lives and hearts that Joey touched in his 57 years. He really was a trailblazer and that's the only word that I can come up with that he provided these positions and roles for other people in similar situations to be active members of their community and have a job and have that pride and that work ethic and determination so I mean when you look at it that way you really you really can't think but like how many hearts and lives that Joey has truly impacted in his 57 years
1: well I know like even back in Canmore and I'm sure other Places, of course, do it too. But the uh, the Sobeys grocery store there was quite known for hiring uh, people with mental handicaps to to assist. Be the the people that go get the carts uh, in the the parking lot, help stock some shelves, bag groceries. You know, and and like it, to me, it was always I was amazed that it was a thing that they did. I thought it was like very very progressive of them, of course, right and like they all did a fine job. Like the, there's no nothing wrong with the work ethic. They, they stock shells perfectly. Like those things would never happen without the steps from Joey coming in and being a part of that first though. Right. Like there always needs to be that one that, uh, that was taken under the wing and and thankfully the Oilers did it. I mean, it's a proud thing that we can always know about the, the Oilers community that they stood behind, you know, mental handicap, um, way before it was quote unquote cool. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's a proud thing to have the team that Joey was there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you guys don't have anything else you'd like to say on Joey, I guess we'll kind of move on to our other topics. Just kind of want to wrap this segment up again, condolences to all the friends and family and former teammates and everybody of Joey. He's definitely going to be, <clears throat> you know, extremely missed in the oil country community and the Edmonton community and everything like that. So rest in peace, Joey. We do have some news in the, um, internal for our podcast. So moving forward, um, Cal and I and the oil country podcast are, unfortunately, we've decided to part ways with the hockey podcast network. Uh, Michael, has decided to stick on with the hockey podcast network. So he's going to continue with the Oilers affiliate and the network and everything like that. Cal and I will be moving to another feed. So it is something on our side that's, you know, it's, it's regrettable and we're not going to get into the um, reasons for us leaving or anything like that, but it is something that's right for us. And, you know, Michael, just towards you, man, like we've definitely enjoyed having you the last month. It's a shame that we, we can't continue podcasting together, but for anyone listening, definitely subscribe to both and we will be, you know, kind of continuing to work together and collabing and all that sorts of things. It's not going to be a a full separation in that sense, but yeah. So I don't know if Michael, if you had anything you wanted to say about that.
2: Yeah. So obviously with this news, uh, being new for everyone that's listening, um, uh, if once uh i have uh set up um whatever the new edmonton oilers affiliate will be uh for the hockey podcast network um there will be a a new twitter page and and all of the new episodes and stuff like that will, will come out um but once all that is set up uh it will be uh informed and you guys will will know where to find it and stuff like that uh like I said, I'll be making a, a whole new Twitter page and all that stuff. So keep an eye out on the internet and uh, for more information on um, once the new Oilers affiliate for the Hockey Podcast Network starts so you can uh, get more of me, I guess.
0: And I think the best case scenario here is, I mean, if I'm a listener, you're, we're really – even though it's sad that we're splitting up, Michael – there's just more Oilers Double content, the content. up there. Exactly, more Oilers
2: content. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which, so, so more Oilers content for everyone to enjoy and uh, just keep an eye out on the internet, everyone, and you'll be able to, we'll, we'll figure out uh, where you can find me.
0: And, and check out the hockey podcast number. Cause you know, Michael will be, will yes. be there 100%. So it's, it's it'll, yes, you should the be hockey easy podcast to find network
2: in. and that that's where you'll find out um, where, where the new Oilers podcast will be.
0: Absolutely. Um, Continuing kind of with the program, so there's not a ton of Oilers news, so we are going to, you know, kind of keep moving forward and and talking about everything going on in the NHL right now and some big news coming out of Arizona. And this is something where it's like they're almost becoming the, like, the easy whipping boy. And, that, that you know, I I really feel bad for their fans, but this whole Mitchell Miller incident, and if you guys don't mind, I'm going to kind of run down just maybe for for someone that saw just some headlines and isn't fully kind of informed of the timeline of everything, how this happened. So I'm going to run down the timeline briefly. It should take 30 seconds to a minute. Hopefully my reading comprehension is is decent, but so more or less (laughs) Mitchell Miller was drafted as a fourth round pick this last year by Arizona. So now we go back to when he was 14 and, and even a little bit previously. So, Isaiah Meyer Cruthers was a student and a classmate of Mitchell Miller at this time. He is black and he has a developmental disability. So at that point in 2014, when they're, when they're all aged 14, Mitchell Miller and another classmate had put a lollipop in a urinal and then pressured Isaiah to put this in his mouth, which is, is pretty fucking disgusting in its own right. Straight up. Now, when we get a little bit more info, you back up to like when they were in grade two and and forward, this Mitchell guy and this other friend had called Isaiah the N-word, told him to go pick cotton, some really just repulsive shit, even for kids that are bound to make mistakes. So from this incident of the lollipop, Miller was convicted of bullying as well as the friend. They were given 24 hours of community service uh, with special needs kids. They were told to participate in counseling and to write an apology to the Meyer Carther family. So fast forward two years at 16 Miller was reported to have con- been continuing to taunt Isaiah from the street in front of Isaiah's house. And then, so the, this is clearly not a, you know, this issue has not been solved. So fast forward to the draft this past year and throughout the prep of this draft, Miller had penned a letter to all 31 teams. He stated that there have been no further incidents. He's had counseling. He's attended cultural diversity classes and volunteered with disabled kids, which you'll remember from what I just said, the about 75% of that was court ordered. So NHL teams have done their due diligence. A lot of them removed them from their draft list, including the Arizona Coyotes at this point. So then the Arizona Coyotes go through drastic front office changes with Chaka leaving and everything like that. New members of the organization are unable to partake in the draft process because they were on previous teams at the time of the draft prep. Now, there was two members, and I got this from Corey with the, uh, Sporty with Corey and Richie, which is the THPN Arizona affiliate, that there was two head scouts they were previously with Arizona and they had more or less handled the draft process. So Miller's drafted by the Arizona Coyotes, 111th overall in the fourth round. Isaiah's mother, Joni, she pens a letter to the Yotes highlighting the behavior and impact it had on her son. The Yotes do not respond. Then this past Sunday, Um, I guess, sorry, it'd be two Sundays ago when this episode drops. The Arizona Republic reports that Miller was convicted of bullying. First wave of social media, you know, backlash kind of happens from all this. Then the Coyotes respond by saying they're giving him a second chance to prove himself. Kind of, you know, moving forward to try and give him a second chance and better himself as a person. So now, then what happens is Joni's letter is shared publicly. I believe it was through The Athletic and cue the second wave of social media backlash towards the Arizona Coyotes organization. So then the Yotes renounce Miller's rights, which they're already in a situation where they didn't have any of their three first picks this year. They've renounced the rights to their fourth round pick. So I want to kind of flip it over to you guys. And we'll start with you, Kyle, I guess. And what's your take on this, just kind of from different sides? There's a lot of parties involved. Obviously, the acts that happened are, are kind of disgusting, but specifically the hockey side with Miller and the Yotes, where are you at with all this?
1: Before I answer that, do you mind? I have the letter from uh, Joni, the, the mother of ASEA um i have it up do you mind if i read it just to add some context to all this? you go right ahead
0: and i'm confident that yeah. you will read it better than i just I, wrote those i also judgments. should should add that um
2: after uh the um, his mother wrote the letter to the yotes the uh newly formed um hockey diversity alliance uh yes. with uh Evander kane and all them then came out and said if the arizona coyotes like basically give a shit or mean anything they should renounce his mm-hmm. rights. And I'd say probably within 24 hours of them coming out and saying that his not, his rights were renounced.
0: Right. That was, so maybe that was the biggest step. Cause I know the, the hockey Alliance also the hockey diversity Alliance, they had also released Joni's letter. That's Kyle's about to read. So maybe I was yeah. wrong with the athletic. Maybe that was kind of the way that came out, but it, it's oh, a, I just, it's a I just know that they had
2: letter, also made a letter. statement and it's, it's important to say that the, the hockey diversity Alliance was, in it because they're they're a relatively big deal now
0: for sure and that's and that's these are the sort of things why they're there to yeah exactly back these players that are and people that are going through shit from whether it be hockey players or organizations or anything else sorry i that's a very good point michael go ahead go yeah
1: yeah. uh Seattle letter hello I'm the mother of the boy that Mitchell Miller bullied. I read the statements made by the GM, Bill Armstrong, etc., and find them demeaning to our son. Are you aware Mitchell never apologized to our son? Are you aware two years ago he still taunted him? Are you aware of this went on for years? Do you understand the mental damage Mitchell did to our son? I respect you for stating he sent all the NHL teams an apology, but wouldn't it make sense if he was truly remorseful to send a letter to the kid he, that he brutally bullied both mentally and physically? Is it a surprise that he sent all the NHL teams a letter because this is for his betterment? I guess as an organization and NHL team, I would expect so much more and hold him to a higher standard, especially with all the Black Lives Matter movement. As much as we pray Mitchell will eventually see the damage he did to our son, we have seen no remorse. The other gentleman has a sincere apology, sorry, has given a sincere apology to our son and our son forgave him. The magistrate general said best, Mitchell, I don't think you are remorseful for what you did more than you are upset for the negative attention you are getting. Again, the bullying incident that continued over years has damaged our son mentally significantly and your organization is more concerned about Mitchell and your hockey success. In my opinion, that is being a part of the problem. There is a victim out there that was and still holds the hands of your 100th limit pick. Best, Joni. So, first off, it's fucking pathetic that a mother had to write that. Yeah. How is there no, absolutely no pushback given from teachers, coaches, Fuck the lawyer afterwards. Like the lawyer never got the letter to give to Joni. What the fuck? That has been something that has been grown into that kid for 18 straight years. That is a child of his environment. His parents are pieces of shit who have come out saying racist remarks after all of this. So you can fucking see where he got it from. Now I'll say something to like kids being kids because in second grade as Grotesque as it is saying someone is an N word or a cotton picker. I can see a kid doing that stupidly if they learn bad things at home. But when you're 14, 16, and you've gone to court over this and you can't fucking show remorse, you go taunt the kid by standing on his property. What the fuck? You can search his name before the draft and all the court documents came out. The Arizona Coyotes are saying that they did not know what happened. Bullshit! I, what happened? I don't
0: actually a know lie, if that's, that's true. The, I think th- they, it's on
1: Reddit, dude. People were putting out the court documents in there. But they're but, public. Just you with can the, find no, them. sorry,
0: just with Arizona. I think the the and I'm not trying to defend them because I mean I definitely hold Arizona to a certain amount of blame. I think that the big thing that is important to document this is they were going under the front office change. So
1: your new GM, great dude. But honestly, like, I, yeah, I, I understand there's people can, in that organization that knew. That they were 100%. like the pre-drafting they were doing. Are you fucking kidding me? You lost picks and then you use your fourth round pick on somebody who you know is an issue?
0: It's pretty clear that they were trying to they had already lost picks. This kid was a second round talent that had these huge personality issues and and past, you know, past behavior issues. So they were trying to get a steal. They were trying to say, Hey, we lost all our picks. We're gonna take the second round talent. Hope we can, you know, turn him into a better person. But I agree. I mean, it's, they, they more or less tried to pull, I don't want to say pull the fast one, they more or less tried to steal a guy that was a second round talent and hope with everything going on in the world right now that it wasn't caught on in the press. Now, my big thing with Arizona is when Arizona Republic had documented this and reported it, so then it became mainstream and they backed Miller. So it's like, I understand your job is to do the best thing you can possibly do for your hockey team, try and attract talent. But... I completely agree with Joni's letter where she's saying you're part of the problem. Like this guy has no place to be an NHL hockey player where you're put in a position to be a role model for kids and all of this stuff with his past. Now I believe in second chances. I genuinely do. But the biggest takeaway here is that he showed no remorse and he hasn't gone back, penned a letter, tried to meet with Isaiah or his family and try and actually reconcile the situation. He's fully based off of the information I have and we have, he's fully doing this, like Joni said in her letter, for the betterment of himself. He he picked the now, time penned letters that, to like... teams, but literally wouldn't even apologize to the fucking kid he bullied.
2: He has also um since been dropped by his uh college team. I believe he was yes. he was going to the university of um michigan don't quote me on that it but wasn't
0: he, michigan but it was like it's a hockey powerhouse I'm yeah, it, it, it was, was a big, yeah it was a
2: big it was a big northern U- u.s hockey school and they, they they said that he can still go to school there and further himself intellectually i believe the statement was but they said they no longer um want him uh playing hockey for them they kind so, of um, a hockey player okay uh I, I had said, I was, I was, cause this, obviously I heard all this stuff and it, it's a crazy story. And so I was t- telling my girlfriend about it and explaining her the story. And I was like, man, like, wow, that's a shitty week for this kid's dreams in, in it. And then she went, well, no, he, he kind of did that to himself. And I, he made his that bed. is, uh, yeah, he, like he dug, he dug a hell of a grave for himself there. I mean, I think at this point he's just got to lie in it because there's, there's no room for that. And, and it's it sucks that it happened to Arizona because, like you said, they've been kind of the butt end of a lot of jokes the last uh, last couple months. So it's definitely – but but like you said, the fact that – I don't know. They, they The thing that bugs me is, like, they pay – every NHL team pays tons of people to go overseas and scout people all over the world to, to look for the best hockey talent. You're telling me you couldn't have spared – a little bit of money to look into like if if people on the internet on reddit have the ability to to find public documents and records like that an nhl organization should and i think it's to the point where it's like something to that degree and that it didn't happen once it didn't happen twice this was a running thing that happened over years it's a pattern Um, of behavior yeah exactly this isn't this isn't the right because you say behavior like he was a behavior issue where teams were worried about him. I think of Ryan Merkley from a couple of drafts ago where people labeled him as he was a bad teammate. So teams were worried about him. This isn't a bad teammate, right? That Like that's not something we were like, oh, that's going to mess up our team chemistry, yeah. right? Like this guy went to court over it. The kid's been like act, and like he went to court and was found guilty. Like this is, this is a potential like lawsuit and like legal issue, not just a, from a team standpoint. So I don't know why you would want that anywhere near your organization.
1: And again, the coyotes cheated and still couldn't do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all their, with all their extra combine information or their testing. Like, information. <laughs> way to go.
1: You idiots. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: It, it's, I mean, it's, I, it's I feel bad for such their fans. A bad luck.
1: Feel so bad yeah. for their fans too. They didn't cause any of this, like for sure. But man.
2: I've got an Arizona Coyotes jersey. Actually, no, I have a Phoenix Coyotes jersey.
0: Ah, there you go. <laughs> there is that a big with like the triangle coyote
2: oh i want one of the kachina jerseys yeah, so bad one. those are one of my favorite jerseys just in hockey just as an aside from this the kachina jersey and for some reason people don't like it it's one of my favorite it's oh dude
1: i love them especially the with kachina, pads with them too like oh
2: the i think it's the, one of those the all black like with a yeah. little bit of green and red in there yeah. it's so clean it's one of my favorite jerseys of all time it's one of the jerseys i will have in my collection soon
0: it's a polarizing jersey. Like a mm-hmm. lot of the people in the jersey community really, really like it in the hockey community, and then there you'll hear like the odd people that just hate it.
2: I really like it. I think it's cool. so cool, and I think it's different.
0: Speaking, speaking. Like, I mean, I think I this
1: want, is the perfect. I didn't want to jump here. that. But <laughs> just quick on another horrible jersey, potentially the Dallas Stars New Jersey. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like let's transition <laughs> yeah, okay. into that. Yeah, like, we can pivot
0: there. Okay. I it, straight up. I know Kyle's take on it already. Michael, do you like the jersey?
2: So, I mean, obviously, to p- people listening, this—if you don't know—I was the host of the Dallas, uh, the the hockey podcast network's Dallas affiliate podcast, the CleanScape Podcast. So, I cover the Dallas Stars for the last year. That is a bad jersey. Thank you. <laughs> that, I, is, that is man. It's a bad jersey. It's a bad jersey. All right, I think. I think we can all agree it's just a bad jersey. I it think looks it,
0: like sorry, it looks it like, looks a, like a tier seven beer league jersey. Beerly it like, jersey. like it looks yeah. like the it best. Like, sorry, go ahead. It,
2: it looks like something that like a sixth grader that like like you know like the, the the fox monster energy like bmx biking shirts yeah. that kids used to wear
1: yeah.
2: like, you know what i'm talking about like the, they're black but they have all the green on it and they got the fox and the monster energy like this looks like like they were sponsored by an energy drink <laughs> like yeah. this looks like they're gonna go skate in the x games i think
1: uh tom franklin from the blue note podcast said it best in our group chat where you called him the chernobyl stars just this yeah. <laughs> lime green right like um i think it, like i don't know i'd like to see how it looks in a full Kit first. I didn't have high hopes on the Oilers third when it first came out either. Yeah. And potentially that stars jersey could look pretty cool when they're all skating on the ice when it's dark on the ice and you see that neon green shining through. But just seeing it in photos, just on a sales rack or whatever, it, it
0: man, the sales rack cool. pictures and like the fans wearing them is bad. Like, <clears throat> even on their pre like you guys saw their release on Twitter where they had it like the guy with like the fully blacked out visor that kind of looked so like that Jamie was ben. that was rad. That was, that was was Radulov. Oh, it was Radulov. Okay. Like when I first saw them, I was like, okay, they're, they're weird and they're out there, but like, maybe this will look good, but that's in like a photo studio with like perfect lighting you know, adjusting they definitely everything, upped editing like to the, make it look
2: good. The brightness of the lines and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, like the they glow pop. on the lines, like they definitely like brushed that up a little bit. There's no way because if it really glows like that, it'll be even worse.
0: Man, I got to say, boys, it's too bad we don't have Dobko on this podcast because he was saying it's one of his favorite jerseys he's ever seen. He loves it. And I'm like, man, it's trash. (laughs) Like I, I looked at it. I look at it now and it reminds me of like the best Jersey in a tier seven beer league. Like that's like where it's like, wow, those guys have really cool jerseys, but like everybody has tacky as shit jerseys. That's what it reminds me of. Not an NHL jersey where it's like, "Wow, I would wear that with pride." I, I think they're trash too.
2: The only the only use I can find out of that jersey is if you're going to a rave. Like uh, like that's the only the except the only acceptable time to wear that is if you're going to like a rave or a party cuz like you <laughs> like a black like, light. It looks party. like yeah. yeah, it looks like they ran glow sticks through the the <laughs> threading of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay let's move on to our uh, our last topic but i did want to say one last thing about the mitchell miller thing we got kind of sidetracked there um kyle i think you really hit it on and i'm not trying to make excuses for him whatsoever but with his parents and the environment he grew up in I do just want to say that it's like, I really hope this kid gets on the right track. I'm not necessarily, I hope he gets to the NHL based off of all this stuff, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell that line where it's like, I really don't feel bad for him. Cause I think it's a really disgusting thing he did, but I also realize that, I mean, he's an 18 year old guy adult now just to be a good member of society and a, and a good person. I hope he can get on the right track and, realizes wrongs and and actually turn into a beneficial member of our society. So just felt like I wanted to add that in there, but let's move on to our last topic. And that is that I don't know if you guys saw this. It was a little bit big news, but it was kind of overshadowed by some things too. So the OHL has decided to remove hitting from the league for one year to mitigate the COVID transmission risk. Now for anyone listening and, and you guys, this was clear by Ontario health authorities that they plainly said that it was not a negotiation. You either get rid of body checking for a year or you don't play. That was their conditions. So, I, I mean, as a hockey fan and that level of hockey, it's a tough thing to just not have body checking. And I'm not going to lie. like I really think as, as a group of people, I know there's so many, like, conspiracy shit and different political opinions, but, like, I really think we can't be, like, you know, not listening to health authorities. At the end of the day, the doctors and and scientists and everything else, like, they're the ones that are trained to deal with this. But I do question where it's, like, we're dealing with a minor hockey league, like a, a major junior hockey league, I guess, but it's still, these are kids. And I can't help but wonder where it's, like, so you're getting rid of body checking, but... They're still gonna go into the corner. They're still gonna fight for the puck. There's still Face gonna offs. be incidental contact. If that's really that much of a concern concern, why are we even playing? Like
1: How are you allowing faceoffs? There's three people breathing within one <laughs> <Thank> foot. <you. laughs> what are you talking about? Like well,
0: there's 20, 23
2: guys crammed onto a bench yeah. and into a locker room. I mean yeah, yeah.
1: that which are going to school before that. Like you know, like Yeah,
2: like you said, like, they're kids, getting- so they're gonna be doing other stuff as well
0: and i'm not saying that you should cancel the season but it's like really what mitigation is happening with getting rid of body checking like
1: literally minor
0: one
2: how do you enforce it? that's the thing that 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 gets me is like how do you how do you enforce that i've i mean like i've right we've all played beer league hockey those are non-checking so i understand like that you have to not hit people but that's a like I'm talking about beerly. Like we're all just having fun, so like it's it's and they're still to not to to not hit people. And but they're, they're still, still rubbing. An yeah, they're still rubbing sure. incidental contact. But like these guys are the people in these leagues are ha- being drafted into the NHL. Like they're trying to play the highest, the, the next highest level of hockey behind being an actual pro and being an adult and playing in the NHL and stuff like that. So like, how do you play that slow of a game? without checking how, what it, how do you play defense like the the people in the ohl like they put up crazy numbers anyways right yeah. like you have the guy like when, when mitch marner and stuff like that was in it he put up like a hundred points in like 60 games right you put mitch marner back into the ohl with no no hitting the dude's gonna put up 200 points like how do you defend against that and how
1: do you forecheck on the same token too like exactly where do you you draw the line like Like,
2: yeah yeah, hitting is such a large part of hockey are you allowed to be together
1: and tie sticks up where you're breathing beside each other anyways like it's just so fucking dumb dude like it makes How you net front
2: battle how do you how do you clear the front of the net how do you get him out of there like, people are going to be able to, if there's no hitting, people can park the bus in front of the net and you won't be able to move them. Now your goalie's screwed. Guaranteed uh, slashes
1: go up. Like,
2: right? People, yeah. everyone's going to, like, you won't be able to stop people from breaking into the zone because you can't pitch people. Like, you can't hit people at the blue line or pinch or them into the boards. Force them to the boards, really. Like, exactly. It's yeah, yeah. Stupid. They're yeah, just yeah. going to be breezing by and walking into the zone. It's going to be a madhouse. It is. The I mean, the decision you could have yeah. made,
1: honestly. Like, you would have been better off just having like street rules for faceoffs and just be if you score a goal the other team starts with the behind their blue line like
2: like you got to yeah. have the it's guys so back and yeah. just do the stick taps like one and you know do the stick yeah. taps in the middle without getting close like it's give them like, all magnets I, so
0: it's like they like repel each other like and I, the I
2: more think. and the more we're talking about it now the the more I I'm starting to think like well if you can't have hitting in hockey and hitting's like one of the biggest parts of hockey then maybe you shouldn't just play like maybe like what is the point maybe you shouldn't have a season if it if it really is that much of a health concern to where like you don't want hitting to the point of having COVID and like we were just saying they're going to be on the benches they're going to be in the locker rooms they're going to be taking face-offs we shouldn't have a season
1: and I mean again yeah. like I said I wouldn't be surprised if injuries go up like if defenseman can't clear a person in front of the net like watch for a slash at the back of your knees because that's definitely going to be coming yeah you know like i can't i can't hit you so i now gotta slash your stick well if your hands are in the way too fucking bad like and it's like are
0: they talking about like one of the things i was confused by and i tried to look for it but couldn't get info was like are we talking about like body checking in the sense of okay i have the puck and now someone is going to try and hit me to remove me from the puck or are we talking about those net front battles battles in the boards like like you said, Michael? That all happens still at beer league levels. Like there's still, people are still coming in contact with one another. It's just not full body checking. So really like what mitigation are you having from, if they're still going to be allowed to do that, but, oh, you're not allowed to have like a millisecond of a contact where it's an open ice hit where they're really not even coming in like breathing. And what happens, like like, do you get
1: ejected from the game if you throw one hit then I'm assuming like,
0: i'm assuming it's just a penalty i, I don't i really yeah. don't know to be honest i couldn't find any more penalty
1: penalty, min- COVID, like, yeah.
2: penalty minutes are going to be through the roof but the thing that is like there's also like and then like you're playing a high intensity game so the players are going to get annoyed and mad at each other because they're mm-hmm. they're playing to win and think of like right yeah. right and so especially then in hockey as well the whistle goes and the scrums in front of the net so you've got five guys all literally hugging each other and putting yeah. their hands in each other's faces. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm at a little bit of a loss. I mean, I am, don't get me wrong. Like, like I said, at the start of this, I, I really think as, as a group of people in this society, we really need to like follow the precautions and do all this. But I I mean, I'm with you guys where it's like, if this is the mitigation we need to do and it's not really going to accomplish anything and the risk is deemed to be that high, why Why are they even playing? Like, especially in a league where you're not going to be able to have fans and junior hockey in Canada is not like NHL teams where they're owned by billionaires and can, you know, for at least the, some of them, I should say, can let that ride for a year or two. Like, the league is going to be in financial troubles, likely, and you're still running the league, you know, you're still doing all these, having all these costs of travel and and booking arenas and everything and, like that. But, and
1: who knows how long it's going to go for? Like, are they planning for one year we can sustain doing this? Because what if COVID's around next year too? Like,
0: I have a tough time like, thinking that junior hockey is going to survive more than a year without fans. I yeah. think if they if it goes into next season, like the season after, and they still can't have any fans in the arena, I, I don't think they're playing.
1: I mean, I kind of doubt. Like, we have tickets for World Juniors next year still because we... We're supposed yeah, to Yeah, we had them for Christmas. this year and
0: then they got bumped. Yeah. And,
1: uh, and yeah, I mean, I have doubts about that being a full building. I'm assuming, yeah. like, if it does happen, it'll probably be another lottery and you get your money back if you don't get picked. Like,
0: well, and like when that got announced, we were like 18 months away. Now we're like 13 months away yeah. and 13 and, you know, 14 months away. And, and I'm worse, like, yeah, so. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I'm not trying I, to be once... super pessimistic and be like COVID's going to be around forever, but I, I'm not seeing huge things well it's going to be it, again
1: like listening to the health experts you look at new zealand you look at australia right now while europe and america and canada again are all spiking they have the lowest rates they've ever had like new zealand is having full out soccer and rugby matches australia just reported one case in the last two weeks i'm pretty sure what it was yeah like there there's a way to do it you just need like people have to listen unfortunately we're pretty selfish here in canada
2: I would I would like to say one thing, though, on, on the topic of OHL hitting the the amount of people that have freaked out um, and been like, oh, this is like John Scott. So they announced that there's going to be no hitting in, in the OHL. And then John Scott came out and was on a podcast and, and said that this is the the beginning of the sissification of hockey. And to, to everyone that's in that group, I would like to say, calm down. We all like hitting. We all yeah. enjoy hitting in hockey. I don't think hitting's going anywhere. They're not taking hitting out because they're worried about um, like head injuries and stuff like that. They're taking hitting out because the of the health issues. It's a, dumb idea i think we've all we all can agree that it's a stupid idea for why they're doing it but they're not taking hitting out of hockey so and hitting the is people naturally, that are freaking out let's just calm down a little bit
1: hitting in itself is is kind of almost naturally coming out of the game too like of course it still happens we'll always be a part but when the speed and skill gap keeps going laying a hit is very easy to put yourself out of position for the rest of the play if you miss it right so you see a lot of players especially defensemen that do a lot more stick work and and positional defense than they used to step on the blue line like a Meyer, right? Right. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: But, yeah. like, Stevens. I just saw a lot of
2: people yeah. panicking and being like, oh, this is the end of the hockey. Yeah. And all the backbone is leaving hockey because the OHL is going to hit. And, like, I mean, I'm one
1: of those people for fighting, so... Well, listen,
2: i like I like, yeah. I like fighting too and then i and i get like there's that big debate but like there was just such an, an outpour especially on twitter and I, and I know it's twitter and so you, you can't take too much of that for you know you can't put too much yeah it's a lot that, of a loud like, minority but like on twitter. but there were so many people that were just like this is the end of yeah. hard hitting hockey and it's just that's not the case either so like the like, day the music stopped
0: kind of yeah yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly so
0: it's the same thing with fighting though. Like I'm I'm glad you brought that up Kyle. Cause it's like my big thing on fighting is just like, I mean one, the fans love it. And even as far as the health concern, like concussions don't come from fighting. The vast majority of injuries from fighting are your hand injuries or like broken jaw or your head. And on the, ice. the like, vast that's majority of the concussions but- come from yeah. either dirty hits or, or heavy hits. So I have no problem with getting rid of the dirty hits. Like I think that has oh, to be yeah, enforced, yeah. but yeah. Um, anyways, I think that's gonna do it for us for this episode. Thank you very much for listening to every or to the Oil Country Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Like we mentioned before, Kyle and I, the OCP, are leaving the network. Michael is gonna keep on grinding, pumping out content for the. well they affiliate. have to
1: resubscribe to us, John? Uh, like on our new feed and. Michael should be still under the THBN feed in the future, correct? I
0: believe so, yes. yes. So, yeah.
2: so when everyone is looking for for the episodes, obviously there's going to be two, two episodes you could be looking for. If you're going to be looking for the Oil Country Podcast, that will no longer be a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. That will be on its own separate feed that you will have to resubscribe to if you're listening to this right now. Yes. If you are looking for the Edmonton Oilers-affiliated Hockey Podcast Network podcast, that will be through me, the name and if there will be other hosts and all the other details for that haven't been decided yet. But if you, if you're looking for the Oilers affiliated podcasts on the hockey podcast network, that will still be in the exact same place that you are listening to this episode. Now with the hockey podcast network, just the other details about what that new podcast will look like will come out at a later date or in the near future. As um, I put that together.
0: Perfect. Exactly.
2: Yeah, and for anyone that is on just to make that distinction. So if you're look once if once you're looking for the hockey podcast network Oilers podcast, that'll be here, and Oil Country Podcast will be on its own separate feed that you'll have to go and resubscribe to.
0: And we will make sure that all gets tweeted out with links and the announcement and everything on Twitter, Instagram. um, So anyone that's following us already on there, if you're not, just search for the Oil Country Podcast for ours and look at the hockey podcast network for Michael's when that comes up. But it's been a, it's been a trip. We wish you the best of luck, Michael. It's been a pleasure podcasting with you for the last month or so. And uh, yeah, look forward to continuing to chat with you at, uh, at times moving forward. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. That wraps up another episode. We hope you stay safe this next week and we will chat at you in seven days.